I understand that knee-jerk reaction to that photo being like, why is this a thing? So, like, once it's pointed out that, you know, it may be a thing for a reason, if you have already jumped on the bandwagon of demonizing something that turns out to then become ableist, is to remember that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a bad person. It just means that you did something that was ableist, and you're perfectly capable of changing and, you know, jumping off of that bandwagon, or, you know, taking that bandwagon in a more inclusive direction. So don't just double down and rationalize actually try and fix the problem. Hey there, and welcome to In Sickness and In Health, a podcast about chronic illness, disability, medical traumas, and everyday uncomfortable healthcare experiences. My name is Kara Gale. I'm not a doctor or a medical professional. I'm just a person and a patient who really wants to talk about this stuff more. Nothing said on this show should ever be considered medical advice. If you're experiencing a medical issue, please seek qualified medical help. I know the system sucks, but I wish you a lot of luck. Every person is different, even within disease groups, so none of my guests should ever be regarded as official representatives or spokespersons for their conditions. Please respect their very personal choices, and unless they ask for it, please don't make suggestions about treatments or lifestyle changes. Unsolicited medical advice is never not annoying. This week's episode is about something that happened on and then off Twitter in the past week that dovetails with many issues affecting disabled people. The situation has been most heated where environmentalism, accessibility, and food politics collide, which is something that I spend a pretty ridiculous amount of time thinking about. Kim Sauter, a PhD candidate in disability studies, wrote a wonderful piece about it on her blog, The Crippled Scholar, so I asked her about it, because I found myself baffled by it as I watched this situation escalate. So I'm going to let her give you a little explainer on exactly what went down with what has now become known as Orange Gate. How it all started was someone found a picture, it wasn't even their own picture as I understand it, of a grocery shelf at Whole Foods somewhere in the States which had plastic containers with peeled oranges in it and kind of thought that this was really bizarre and really anti-environmental and made a tweet kind of mocking it. And basically being like, I don't understand why you would do this. And I can understand that basic, you know, knee-jerk reaction. Mm -hmm. I would probably have it too. But then I would remember, oh, right, I can't peel oranges and this is really convenient. So I understand, like, how that reaction came about. But Mm -hmm. then they tried to have it and successfully had the product removed from Whole Foods. And throughout that whole thing, disabled people started popping up and saying, actually, hey, this is really accessible and we would like to see this continue to be a thing and continue and actually be available in more places. And then a whole bunch of people claiming environmentalism basically jumped down our throats saying that there was no valid reason why we would be able to ask for this. And unfortunately, it didn't just stay on Twitter. It's now off of Twitter. I found, I think, at least four or five mainstream news articles that are now dealing with this. Several of them don't even mention the disability aspect, and some of the ones that do, do so in a really mocking and minimizing sort of way. And if you try and engage with people in the comments on these stories, they're very much refused to, like, remotely um, accept that there might be 
a reason to have these. And one of my big things that I've been asking people is, yes, I get the environmental aspect. I care about the environment too. Like, can we start looking at ways instead of just being like, this can't, this product can't exist. Can we find a way to, you know, mesh environmentalism and accessibility? And they just refuse to engage on that level. If you've never had any experience with disability and or chronic illness and aren't close with anyone who has, it might be hard to imagine why people, especially young people, might have a hard time peeling an orange and therefore have a use for pre-peeled citrus fruit. Like Kim said in the opening clip, it's not unreasonable for people to look at that photo and see the ridiculousness over the potential for accessibility. This is largely because even though people with disabilities are the largest minority group in the United States, disability has been almost entirely erased from our culture. It's perceived, if at all, as something very marginal, affecting only a small portion of the population. So accessibility is often an afterthought, an accident, or ignored altogether. But there's an awful lot more of us than most people realize. Listener Lynette shared with me her reasons for buying pre-prepared food. She's a 22-year-old from Michigan who lives with ankylosing spondylitis, reactive arthritis, and fibromyalgia. Symptoms like chronic pain, dexterity, and mobility issues, as well as brain fog and fatigue, can make cooking and independence a challenge, like she explains. I did live alone while I was in college, and I had my own apartment, and sometimes my hands just hurt so bad that it's literally dangerous for me to even cut food or prepare it, so how am I supposed to feed myself? And grocery stores in my area do have pre-cut, pre-prepared food, so I can at least have them in some sort of soup or something, even just diced onions. And people are like, oh, well, you're so lazy, you can't do that by yourself. And I'm like, you're right, I can't do that by myself. But I am by no means lazy, this is just what's safer for me, and I honestly feel horrible that sometimes I can't cut a carrot or an onion. My hands just shake so bad that I'm terrified I'm going to cut myself. I mean, it's actually just a hazard to myself and my well-being, and I'm 22 years old, and I have a hard time peeling halos or cuties, which I love, and they're supposed to be easy peel. Easy peel for who? Not for me. They're not easy to peel for me. It's like trying to open a coconut for me sometimes. I try my best and I do recycle a lot of the packaging and unnecessary things that I can recycle, but in all due honesty, it's just easier for me and sometimes I just wish that I had somebody that could just cut up my vegetables once a week so I wouldn't have to deal with this and deal with people constantly calling me lazy. And it's not just people with mobility and dexterity disabilities. Pre-prepared and prepared food help people with a variety of disabilities, though most of these solutions are not universally accessible. There are plenty of disabled people for whom even that orange container is still inaccessible, but it wasn't really designed with accessibility in mind, let alone universal accessibility, which is something quite difficult to achieve even when you are doing it on purpose. This situation could, of course, spin off into a million other conversations. Chief among them would be the cost of being disabled and the socioeconomic issues that keep so many disabled people in poverty. Let's be honest, the majority of disabled people are likely not shopping at Whole Foods. 
Many disabled people simply can't afford to spend extra at a fancy pants grocery store or on pre-cut produce and often don't get access to fresh produce at all. And this could spin off into another conversation about how we're told that cooking and eating a whole food diet is simpler and superior and if we just ate better, we'd get better, which, as we've talked about many times on this show, is an oversimplification of how all of this stuff works. I've been thinking about this situation a lot over the past few days. Frankly, far more than I'd like to, because this whole thing about the oranges is just so ridiculous. I find it ridiculous because the oranges themselves are a red herring. We can jump down the rabbit hole of 10,000 arguments from either side of this issue, but as Kim points out, it gets us no closer to making the world a more accessible place, no closer to making the world a greener place, and no closer to making so-called progressive movements more inclusive to the disabled people they so often leave behind. When reading those comments from people on the anti-peeled orange side of this, one thing I saw frequently was some variation on the phrase, why don't you just, and you can fill in that blank with any number of allegedly simple solutions to a very complex problem. I've encountered this in my own life too, when attempting to explain to people why I find something difficult or inaccessible. Cooking, which I've had to give up almost entirely, is a perfect example of this. There are so many places in the process at each step of the way in meal planning, grocery shopping, prepping, cooking, eating, and then cleaning up afterwards that I run into barriers. Many of those barriers are multi-layered, which makes it all extremely daunting. Sure, it's not impossible, and for some people, cooking is an integral part of their self-care strategy. But as a person with extremely limited energy resources, I have to very carefully consider how I use that energy. But every time I try to talk to somebody who does not live with these issues about the fact that I find cooking too difficult to do on a regular basis, they almost instantly snap back with suggestions of, why don't you just get groceries delivered, or get something like Blue Apron, or hire a housekeeper, or buy adaptive cooking tools, or get a stool to sit on while cooking. The list can go on forever. I could do any and all of those things and still have a really hard time cooking and feeding myself. All of which goes without saying that many of those measures are prohibitively expensive and cost money that I, as a disabled person who is unable to work, do not have. Instead, I wind up getting prepared food, which is also expensive and not the best use of my limited and dwindling financial resources. It's not good for the environment. It's not ideal, but it is often my best option. And feeding myself is still a huge source of stress and anxiety for me. This is not a request for your advice on how to feed myself. Please don't give me any of that. And that why don't you just reflect seems to me to be the same or at least related to the phenomenon of unsolicited medical advice. And if you listen to this show regularly, you know just how much I love unsolicited medical advice. It is almost always ill-informed and obnoxious and so are rigid unsolicited suggestions for accessibility measures. You'll almost always get it wrong, so just don't do it. Pro tip. If a disabled person tries to tell you about their experience and explains why something is difficult or inaccessible to them, instead of making suggestions about something that I promise you they've already thought of, listen. And if you still insist on talking, ask how you can help. 
You can find additional comments and threads from actual disabled people in the Storyfy I linked to in the show notes. I did not include the negative pushback on purpose as a self-care measure for myself because so many of those comments were mean, aggressive, ableist, and very quickly and easily crossed over into eugenics territory. But if you poke around those tweets that I compiled or the OrangeGate hashtag, you'll find them quite easily. At the bottom of Kim's post, which I've also linked to in the show notes, are some examples of press about the oranges and reactions to it, which was what moved me to do an episode about this. The truth is, being disabled and or chronically ill is often in direct conflict with environmentalism, and it's something that many of us feel a tremendous deal of guilt about. We talk about some of that in this episode, but something that I saw many people bring up on Twitter that we didn't quite get to in our conversation is the detritus of living with chronic illness. This, of course, varies by person, treatment, abilities, and condition, but many of us live every day with guilt about the footprint our health conditions cause us to have. For example, for those of us with hydration needs, our lives may be a graveyard of Gatorade or Powerade bottles. For those with a port for IV fluids or medication, there is a tremendous amount of sterile supplies that are single use to avoid potentially deadly infections. And the same goes for anyone with a feeding tube, catheter, ostomy, or plenty of other medical equipment. This is also true for people who take injectable medications. Medical waste is often considered a biohazard and not recyclable for safety reasons. And don't even get me started on how many pill bottles we go through. While there may be some solutions to some of these problems, expecting chronically ill and disabled people to conform to a rigid standard of sustainability is unrealistic and not at all inclusive. And resisting feedback from actual disabled people won't get us anywhere either. As Kim points out, it's possible for us to work together to find more sustainable and accessible solutions to these problems, instead of aspiring to a future where disability and its inconvenient truths no longer exist. The environment is definitely in trouble, and here in the U.S., we for sure have a problem with excessive waste, especially when it comes to food. As my terrible high school environmental science teacher used to always say, the planet will always be here. Whether we still are is up to us. And while that statement has a few problems, it's a pretty good way to understand why sustainability does matter. We all need to be thinking about ways we can reduce our footprints, but there's much bigger fish to fry than Orange Gate. As always, you can find Kim's blog, The Crippled Scholar, and the reference post in the show notes, as well as reactions from other disabled people in the story fight I created. Find resources and more from us at InSicknessPod.com and on social media at InSicknessPod. If you have any experience with the collision of sustainability and accessibility, or have some ideas about how we can better bring those two things together, email me at InSicknessPod at gmail.com. I'm also still looking for one or two more people to help us with transcriptions of the episodes so the show itself can be more accessible. So if you're interested in helping me out with that, please contact me. I hope you enjoy this episode. I want to say it's shocking, but it's not shocking, uh, just given how I've seen people react to people pointing out ableist language or actions or, you know, attitudes. 
I want to say I'm shocked by it, but I'm not. But the thing that's like most jarring to me is the level of commitment with which the people who are like going after this are are doing it. There are some people who have been like, oh, that's an interesting point. I'm going to remove myself from the conversation now or like, let's see if we can talk about some more, like you were saying, environmental and accessible solutions to this. But there is like this other contingent that is like aggressively defending their stance that this is wasteful and has no purpose. And it's just so surprising to me that like, or like I said, you know, I want it to be surprising that people would be so resistant to somebody saying, hey, this is actually really helpful for me. And without something like this, I don't get vitamin C. Yeah, And then they're like, drink juice. Except for the fact that, you know, I think there have been more than a few studies that show that drinking juice is not the best way to get vitamin C. It's not as healthy as, you know, actually eating an orange. Right. And you're just getting the sugar. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Yeah. It's so bananas to me. No pun intended with the fruit (laughs) situation. Yeah, it's something that you point out in the, uh, the piece that you wrote about this is like the anger about laziness. Um, And this came up in another conversation that I had for the podcast. I think it was episode 18. Uh, My guest was talking about, you know, being a person who's overweight and needs to use a motorized wheelchair. And they get these like rage reactions from people who think that the only reason this person is using a motorized wheelchair is because they're lazy. Yeah. And not because they actually need it. And I, and like you point out in your piece, that's, that's definitely at play here as well. So can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I mean, this is the funny thing is, like, I think that there is to a degree an argument to say that society has gotten somewhat lazier. But mm-hmm. from an accessibility standpoint, I'm just like, let's embrace the laziness. Because the second you create something for, like, those lazy people over there who are just genuinely lazy, you are making something accessible. Yeah. So embrace the laziness. I mean, sure, you might want to deal with the people that are genuinely lazy, but, I mean, aren't life hacks, like, the biggest thing on the internet right now? And most of those Mm -hmm. are just, like, how to make stuff more accessible. But the second something accessible is, you know, pointed out, they're like, that's evil, get rid of it. And so it's that connotation of the fact that it's now connected with disability that I think people Mm -hmm. feel, like, really comfortable just being like that's not a good enough reason but why (laughs) and I no like well I mean as I said like I don't understand it like as I say I've been engaging with people and some of it like has been trolls that I have now muted on Twitter Mm -hmm. because they were just straight up trolls who were trying to pretend like they were being reasonable but then eventually like downgraded into calling me a dyke and making handicapped jokes so you know basically showing their true colors but um when you like sort of engage like i was on the tree hugger article which is linked in my blog post at the end they people like they just keep trying to get the moral high ground anytime you Mm -hmm. kind of say yes this is true but we need to you know consider how this affects disabled people they're always like oh well just ask someone in the store to peel it for you yeah, and, when like, I got that to that is, part. And, pretend, like, and I said, well, that's just another hoop we have to jump through. And they're like, well, we don't see it as a hoop. And I'm like, well, it is. Not only is it a hoop, because this whole thing is now, you know, couched in this laziness um, mm. narrative, 
if you go and ask someone, suddenly they're going to start judging, is this person actually disabled enough to be asking mm-hmm. me for assistance? And heaven forbid you don't want to eat that orange right away and you ask for a container to put it in so you can take it home with you. Right. So, um, and like, if that's a thing, are they just going to allow everyone to go and ask store staff? And again, I almost want, and they were saying things like people ask for specialized things at grocery stores all the time and they, you know, brought up the example of like cakes, which is a completely different thing because... Yeah, there's a whole infrastructure set up, set up for, for cakes. Like, Getting and, a blank cake and, and just writing on the cake, which only takes, you know, a couple minutes anyway. Exactly. And I almost wonder, like, if stores would almost have, you know, want to have policies against staff peeling or preparing food for customers on demand um, without some sort of infrastructure in place because they might start to have concerns about hygiene. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having the oranges already prepped and in containers you kind of suspect that those were prepared hopefully in hygienic standards and so you don't have to start worrying about where do I find a staff member to do this for me and what if you have an anxiety issue Mm -hmm. you don't really feel comfortable approaching people and yeah the thing that just really frustrated me is anytime like I engaged with someone particularly off of Twitter where you have more than 140 characters I would always like remind them like this is about um, trying to consider meshing environmentalism with accessibility because those two things are so often mutually exclusive mm-hmm. and they would just like completely ignore that part of my argument and keep going with the yes buts yes buts on yeah. everything else right instead of trying to you know consider somebody else's viewpoint and i'm just like sitting there going like what do i have to say to you because most of them will kind of like pay some sort of lip service to like caring at some point about disabled people but that this is mm-hmm. just somehow not the issue like how are right. we making this an issue we're so greedy for trying to make this an issue and so like they feel so justified in being like I mean sure disabled people deserve accessibility but is very much the the narrative you get when you start yeah. to engage with people so you're you're a PhD candidate in disability studies yes. right why are people so resistant to the idea of ableism and accessibility in general? That's so because hard I, to pinpoint because, like, so many people will, like, straight up say that, like, ableism isn't even a thing. Yes, I get told that and all the time by like, people. like, I don't like, understand that because, yeah. I mean, I think most people understand that prejudice against disabled people to an extent is a thing like they'll accept mm-hmm. that people experience workplace prejudice and whatnot although they generally expect to have like very concrete paper trail to prove it or else they're like right. are you sure or are you just paranoid mm-hmm. but so yeah like, I don't I think it's mostly because you know people are so obsessed with this sort of medicalized view of disabled people where we're supposed to be sick and trying so hard to get better and to be normal that when we're just kind of like no we exist and we want access in the way that we currently exist 
there's a lot of pushback to that because they're like, you're supposed to want to get better. You're not supposed to want help. You're not supposed to want us to make things accessible for you because if you just got better, we wouldn't have to do it in the first place. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. I was thinking a bit about, you know, like using environmentalism as a guise for ableism that like... Well, I know that there was at least someone, at least one person on Twitter who like basically compiled a number of like suggestions for containers that were, you know, more environmentally friendly and was like, hey, look, there are ways of doing this better. But did that go anywhere near as viral as the original post? Of course not, because that doesn't fit into their you know, sort of, we're being attacked and something horrible is happening to the environment because of these plastic tubs, which, as someone else pointed out to me, were actually resealable, so you could either, you know, recycle or repurpose them. So it's not as though that they were something that immediately needed to be thrown out. Right. And a lot of of the other points that I've seen are like, well, what about the, like, plastic salad bags that are not reusable? Or... And it's, you know, it's just like obviously the thing is like the thing that will make them so angry is whether or not it's convenient to them. Because if you bring that up in the discourse, they're like, "Oh yes, of course that's a problem," but there's something about these oranges that is just somehow so much worse. Even though you know that like they are making up the tiniest percentage of this waste, and right. that you know salad bags and deli salads and things you get at the deli at the grocery store are probably making up significantly more of this as an issue. But, you know, you don't see the same anger around it. It's this concept that it's so ridiculous. They're so obsessed with the idea that these peeled oranges are so ridiculous. And any suggestion that they're not ridiculous is just like there's a cognitive dissonance going on. They're unwilling to accept that as a possibility that this may be no more ridiculous than getting an artisanal cheese. Right. Well, the original tweet, if I go back to here, is the the thing that like sparked this whole thing. If only nature would find a way to cover these or- yes. oranges so we didn't have to waste so much plastic on them. Is, is that what makes it so ridiculous, that, like, oranges have a peel, that they're like already a, self-contained? Yes, I think so. And I think that people got so in... And I think there's also an element of, you know, people saw a thing, thought it was ridiculous, and started getting really angry about it. And then people... And then suddenly there was some pushback of, actually, no, this isn't that ridiculous, and actually this helps a minority group of people. And then suddenly have the... People suddenly have to deal with the fact that they have inadvertently done something bigoted and they don't want to deal with that, so they double down or they argue or they try and rationalize why somehow it's not or our arguments are invalid. Right. And then there's also the flip side of, like, God forbid any minority group gets any sort of, quote-unquote, special treatment. Dear God. (laughs) Yes, exactly. It's like, you're getting a thing, except for the fact that anyone could have bought these oranges, so it wasn't even special treatment. Yeah. Like you said in your piece that um, you you quoted somebody saying, peeled oranges have a shorter shelf life, so how convenient are they really? And then you said, this is true. It indicates just how much planning has to go into living while disabled. Um, you have to plan your meals around fresh produce and, and be more careful about that. Is it the thing about it being accidentally accessible? Yes. 
that's exactly what I was looking for. I know, I've got a few quotes around that one. Yeah, I think I need to start a blog series about things that I find accidentally accessible. <laughs> you almost wonder yeah. if the companies find out if they'll get pissed. Yeah. <laughs> pull them off the market uh quote this is because things like that things that are accidentally accessible are marketed and available to everyone and are thus likely to be more easily available than an accessible product which will likely only be sold in specialized stores and accessibility that requires no thought to implement is the best which is so true like it would be so great if you know things just were accidentally accessible all over the place you know and i mean they sometimes are but yeah and I mean, you know, I think disabled people are becoming very good at identifying those things and sharing mm-hmm. them amongst themselves. But I don't think the mainstream really wants to deal with that at all. Right. Um, another point that you make is uh, the the one around the cost of all of these things, whether it be, uh, you know, adaptive cooking tools, which can be prohibitively expensive, or even the added cost of buying prepared food. Um, yeah, it is more expensive, but being disabled is expensive in general. I know. My th- first thought when I heard that, like, as an argument of, but it's so much more expensive than just buying an orange. And I'm like, welcome to being disabled. Everything yeah. is more expensive. Yep, yep. You have to go out of your way to, like, like, I find myself constantly, I mean, not exactly. Uh, this would be more true if I were a, a rich person who had, like, actual money. But, like, I would be constantly trying to spend my way out of discomfort um, and, like, inaccessibility because so much of the world is so inaccessible and you wind up having to spend more money to, you know, make things more accessible. Exactly. Like, which is why, like, I buy buy pre-cut vegetables because, you know, I have difficulty cutting them myself. It's difficult to do safely without a specialized cutting board, which Mm -hmm. costs like $75 and I can't afford. Right. Um, now how about guilt? Because I am somebody who cares about the environment, and yet due to you know various factors related to my disabilities, I wind up being a very not environmentally friendly person, and I feel I like carry around so much guilt about it. And yeah, I think I think we've gotten to a point in society where people are morally superior. Like if you are you know environmentally friendly, you do get bad looks. If you don't, you know, live up to what people's expectations are, particularly mm-hmm. if you are shop- shopping at somewhere like Whole Foods, which is supposed to be, you know, organic and, you know. Right. But we all know like, it's kind of a sh- like, Oh, it's totally it's kind sham. of a sham. <laughs> a cash grab in every possible way. Yeah. But, and so people are becoming increasingly comfortable saying things like that. And yet one of the, like, first comments that I got after I posted this blog post with someone saying, thank you, because I've spent so much of my life feeling guilty for, you know, not being able to live up to the ultimate uh, environmental standards because I'm Mm -hmm. disabled and my needs just don't allow for it. And I think that's the big thing here is, like, we really do need the environmental movement to start looking at, you know, the intersection of low-impact living and disability and to start looking at ways to, you know, make environmentalism accessible. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you look through any of these sorts of, you know, conversations, it very quickly becomes apparent that they don't care and they just kind of want you to disappear off the face of the earth. If you yeah. acquire something that needs more plastic, like 
or like that is in any way consumptive, they're like, just don't use it. So apparently we're not supposed to use crutches or wheelchairs or leg braces or, you know, anything that consumes. So it's just like we're supposed to stay in bed and die because anything that we want that goes against, you know, some tenant of environmentalism is immediately wrong. And, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of these things, I mean, wheelchairs and crutches, those are like definitely necessary and there's, you know, nothing we're going to do about that unless someone actually goes around and says, is there a way to make a more sustainable wheelchair? Which is probably a lot longer down the we- the line than, you know, let's put peeled oranges in sustainable packaging. Right. Which is actually a feasible thing. Like, this conversation is so ridiculous because it just didn't need to happen. Mm-hmm. There is... Like, there are, you know, ways of getting around it. But right. And it definitely didn't need to be so antagonistic. Oh, God, no. It had me thinking a lot about, like, futurism and, you know, the kind of utopia, the like, sustainable utopia that I think a lot of people, like, envision when they think about environmentalism and how, as as is the case in a lot of, you know, visions of future utopias, disabled people don't exist there yeah and that's a real problem like this kind of very eugenic idea that somehow someday we're just going to cease to exist that will either you know they'll breed us out of existence or that we'll be cured and this is a pipe dream i mean let's mm-hmm. ignore the fact that so many disabled people don't want to cure right like which is clearly a very important discussion and you know I fit into that one but at the same time like it's just not gonna happen let's be real it's not gonna happen I mean sure you may be able to find treatments and cures for certain disabilities but as a universal thing it's just not gonna happen because you're not gonna find cures for everything we live in a world that has a lot of systemic inequality geographically And there's going to be places where people just don't have access to treatments that are available should they want them. So disability is going to be here forever. It has been here forever. It will be here forever. And I really wish people would, you know, get with the program. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. (laughs) Is there anything else that you'd like to touch on? or? I wish that, you know, the people that are so antagonistic would actually watch this podcast, but let's face it, that's a pipe dream. And yeah. Really start- All the people that would really benefit from listening to my podcast will never listen it's to it. It's just like, because it sometimes feels like you're preaching to the choir. Like, this blog yeah. post that I wrote about this issue is the fastest, like, growing in popularity of anything I've ever written. Like, I posted this at 10 p.m. Normally, if I post something at 10 p.m., it's not going to get read because you need to post something at, like, between noon and 3 But because Mm -hmm. this issue is so important to so many people, it was just like it's been shared so many times that it's been out for less than 24 hours and has already been read nearly 600 times. Wow. Which has never happened to anything that I've written. Anything that I've written that has been viewed more than that, it's been, you know, a slow grow. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it's definitely something that is very important to a lot of people. It is touching a nerve. And so it's a really important conversation. But if we do, under some magical circumstances, get the people who are being so antagonistic to listen to this, I would just like to reiterate again, 
please remember that we do want to be environmental as disabled people, but don't shut us out of the conversation by saying that, you know, this is too small of an issue that we should just give up because we didn't have it last week, so why should we care now? Because apparently we're not allowed to advocate for better access to things. And mm-hmm. to remember that, like, the thing that you should be focusing on is not shutting us down, but trying to figure out how to make, you know, living green accessible to disabled people. And go read my blog because then I, I write about some of the other issues that crop up with accessibility and environmentalism. Yes, and your blog is fantastic. I will definitely link to it. Thank in you very the, much. Uh, in the show notes yeah so thank you so much for talking to me about this nope. um uh, this was I, i've been like watching this unfold on twitter i know like, i tried to stay out of it on? i tried so hard but i was just like i'm so angry this is so ridiculous i need to so ridiculous i'm just like why i just i i like cannot get past like, i mean trolls aside because troller is gonna troll yes. like whatever but like People who consider themselves environmentalists, who consider themselves progressives, and then are like ragefully resisting the inclusion of disabled people. Just yeah. uh, what? I don't. Why? Why would you waste your energy? On they just really want to believe that we're this tiny minority, and that you know our voices don't really matter because they they're so sure that everyone else is on their side. Yeah, and they're probably right. Unfortunately, that's just kind of how it goes. But it would be so much better if they would just include us in the conversation rather mm-hmm. than just immediately shut us down. Yeah. Uh, so then I would also like to add, like, because it, I am sure part of this backlash was this kind of idea where they got this knee-jerk, oh, God, I might have said something offensive. I must ra- now rationalize is to remember, like, as I said, I understand that knee-jerk reaction to that photo being like, why is this a thing? Mm-hmm. So, like, once it's pointed out that, you know it may be a thing for a reason that if you have already jumped on the bandwagon of demonizing something that turns out to then become ableist is to remember that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a bad person. It just means that you did something that was ableist and you're perfectly capable of changing. So, you know, and, you know, jumping off of that bandwagon or, you know, taking that bandwagon in a more inclusive direction. So don't just double down and rationalize actually try and fix the problem yeah what a world i know what a world (laughs) well like i said thank you so much for talking to me i almost didn't have an episode this week so this worked out perfectly (laughs) don't you love it when something just goes horribly wrong and suddenly you have content to create (laughs) well thank you for having me on anytime Thank you so much for listening to In Sickness and In Health. If you enjoy the show, please take a moment to rate and review it on iTunes. And if you can help with transcribing our episodes, shoot me an email at insicknesspod at gmail.com. Find resources and more from us at insicknesspod.com and on social media at insicknesspod. And don't forget to be excellent to yourselves and each other.